Hello and welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Sarah Whitmire and today we're talking to local experts about homelessness and panhandling in Bloomington. In light of a new initiative Mayor John Hamilton announced this week, you can ask questions by joining our live chat, following us on Twitter at Noon Edition, or by calling into the program at 812-855-0811. Bob Zaltzberg is out today, so Barbara Brozier from the FIUTIU newsroom is here as co-host. Our guests today include Mike Decoff. He is the Bloomington Police Chief. Mary Catherine Carmichael. She's the Communications Director for the Mayor's Office. And Lisa Amsler. She is a Professor of Public Service at SPIA and founding board member of the Community Justice and Mediation Center of Bloomington and Monroe County. Thank you all for being here today. Hi, Sarah. It's nice to see you again, Mary Catherine, yeah, on the other side nice of the table. it's nice to be back. i got to tell you, it's a little more nerve-wracking on this side of the table than it was <laughs> on that side. I'm not sure what that's all about. And I'm still glad to be back Thank in the you. studio. Thanks for having us. Well, an easy question to you just to sort of get us started here. If you can just talk about what Mayor Hamilton is, is proposing to sort of get this process started. Well... Working in the mayor's office, um, I see a lot of communications that come in from um, various places, various folks uh, who who have things to to tell us. And something that we'd heard a lot of was people uh, who have concerns about activities going on downtown. And some of it was anecdotal. And then we uh, were working very closely with the Bloomington Police Department and Chief Decoff, and we learned that... um, there are very real reasons for those concerns. And so subsequent to to those discussions, we met with downtown business owners uh, and operators and um, listened to their concerns um, and realized, excuse me, also met with um, representatives from our uh, community and family resources department who had been hearing similar concerns. So pulling all that together, we realized, you know, this is an issue for a lot of folks downtown um, and folks just visiting downtown. And so it's really uh, something we need to take a serious look at. But we didn't want to just say, okay, we're going to do this, this, and this, because we think those are good ideas. So the plan instead um, is, and, I'm, and I'll let Lisa speak to this. She's going to be able to, to uh, probably describe this a little better than I, but is to work with those people involved, get pulled together, the stakeholders, start out by information gathering, then handing that information off to um, a task force that is being um would you say facilitated by the community and just community justice and mediation um, center and then the task force um, will go forward um, into next year and make recommendations to the city on specific things that uh, we should be doing to address some of these issues long term short term we've already decided some things that we're going to do um, and we can talk about those too if you want Chief, uh, I wonder if you could just jump in and talk specifically about some of the activity we are seeing downtown on the B-Line. Um, you mentioned that there's been an increase in, in certain things over the summer. Sure. We, we've seen um, quite, a, quite a large increase in the number of complaints on aggressive panhandling, on nuisance-type calls, um, alcohol-related, uh, public urination, things like that. Um, and so with that, um, it's... It, People's Park has become kind of a, of a gathering area for a lot of people. And, um, you know, so we get complaints that people who want to have lunch there, they don't feel comfortable. Um, it's gotten to the point where parks employees don't feel comfortable going in and cleaning cleaning the park every day. So 
Um, so that's kind of what we're dealing with. Um, you know, the B line is experiencing. You know, there's random assaults on the B line, and so um, it, that's a that's a huge um, asset to the city that people really like to get out and enjoy. And so we need to make sure that people feel safe. And so uh, we're gonna we're gonna enhance our patrols downtown and on the B line. Um, we're looking at uh, security cameras that we're going to strategically place to monitor those areas. Um, and so what the hope is is that those those efforts will uh, will see dividends and and people feeling a lot safer to, to enjoy the downtown and the beeline. At least I'm hoping you can chime in here to explain how your organization is involved in in this strategy. Oh, I am so happy to. Um, I would first like to explain what CGM is. It's the Community Justice and Mediation Center of Bloomington and Monroe County. And it's over 15 years old. It is a nonpartisan nonprofit. We provide mediation services in a couple of different programs. One, for example, victim offender reconciliation, uh, particularly in the in collaboration with the juvenile justice system in town. And victim uh, victim offender reconciliation helps both the victim of, of a crime and the offender bring that offender back into the community by uh, working out, uh, for example, some kind of uh, community service or uh, help instead of retribu retribution uh, and punishment and imprisonment. The other program we have, we have a program with shoplifters, for example. And the whole theory behind a community mediation center is that the neighborhoods, the people in this community, I'm not an expert, by the way, on the uh, areas of homelessness, poverty, uh, or uh, social policy. I'm a process person, I'm a voice person, I wanna hear what people have to say. And I was a founding board member of CJAM, uh, and its predecessor organization worked in the jails. Uh, it was uh, a CCJ. So what we are doing is providing services by way of facilitation for a community conversation about this pro these issues and concerns. And we framed a description of the project, which we've named the Downtown Safety and Civility Project, which is the CGEM part of the project. And that is not government. That is all of the stakeholders in the community uh, and there are, there are three basic stages that might help people to understand. We're going to start with small focus groups, which are uh, groups of people in, uh, in organizations that may have common interests or concerns. So for example, we have a wonderful nonprofit community in town, and there are nonprofits who are service providers to the population who may be panhandling. Um, and or homeless, uh, and they're not the same thing. And we have a great uh, population of advocacy organizations. We have so many people in different er arenas of local government who are doing public service for us, and this is impacting them, and they have different perspectives. So, uh, we have the justice system. We have the business community and the, the folks at the Chamber of Commerce. So. And we also have the folks themselves who are panhandling or homeless 
Uh, and so when we framed a description of CJAM's convening of uh, opportunities for people to have dialogue, we talked about it in terms of business owners, their patrons, and other members of the public frequenting Kirkwood and Bloomington downtown have expressed concerns regarding unwelcome behaviors, including aggressive panhandling and drug use, which they feel affect their business and make them feel unsafe. The individuals whose behaviors are complained of are meeting their own needs, including for economic support and social connection. These matters exist in the larger context of poverty, homelessness, drug dependency, and social alienation. And the mayor has asked us to develop a public deliberation process. So this is outside of government, and it will have stages that involve stakeholder groups, a large representative group bringing all the different viewpoints together, and then a public deliberation project where everyone is welcome. And I, I think people need to understand um, we're going at this not with expertise, not with solutions, but to hear what people in the community have to say and to draft a report of that on behalf of them for the task force. Certainly, it seems like this is something everyone in Bloomington has an opinion about. I know Bob recently uh, did a poll in the HT, and by far and away, this was the number one issue on people's minds was what to do. Mm -hmm. um, we have a caller on the line, so we want to go ahead and, and take that. She's been waiting here for a little bit. Kristen, go ahead with your question. Hi. I am glad to be on. I have one comment and then a question. Um, the comment is I had a friend come into town to visit who hasn't been here for the past 10 or 15 years. And after our initial hug and hello, she asked me, what's going on with all the homeless in town? Um, so you're walking down and visiting IU campus and the, the, um, downtown on Kirkwood, she noticed it um, significantly different than what she remembered it to be. But my, my question is, is I was at a um, meeting, a public meeting, uh, a couple weeks ago, and um, one of the judges made a comment that when people are released from jail um, up in Indianapolis or anywhere around southern Indiana and they have nowhere to be released to, they drop them off in the middle of the night here in Bloomington because they know we have so many services available. And I was um, wanting to know if Judge Decoff, or um, Chief Decoff, is, is aware of this and what's being done about it. Okay, thank you, Kristen. Uh, yes, I am aware of it, and um, it, I don't know how to stop it. Um, you know, I, I was at a meeting this morning, and, and um, uh, one of the people at the meeting was talking about how they had gotten an email about uh, uh, a person who lived uh, in southern Indiana that was brought here and dropped off because we have more services than their community had. And so, you know, we're fortunate to have a lot of community resources and, and services um, for people, but we also become a regional draw. And so um, I, I hear frequently about people being dropped off here. My officers talk to people that they encounter on the street that say, um, you know, they, they're not familiar with them, and they're like, so, you know, why are you here? And they're like, well, there's a lot of services here. And so on the one hand, it's good that we have the services, but the flip side of that is is we do become the place that people come to because we have the services. 
one of the interesting things about about this approach, I think, is yes, the safety concerns are something that you're trying to address, but it sounds like this initiative is trying to go further than that and look at some of these underlying issues. Mary Catherine, I don't know if you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, in fact, um, really, the mayor has reframed this as uh, this effort as really not just safety and civility, but safety, civility, and justice. And that's how we really want people to think of it going forward, because um, it's a bigger picture. Um, the safety and civility part, that's kind of, that's almost the low-hanging fruit and all this stuff. I mean, we can ask um, our police to spend a little more time downtown, and, and we can install cameras. We can do those kinds of things, and, and those are good and important, and we want people to be safe and feel safe downtown. But this is really part of a much bigger picture that, um, uh, and, and uh, you know, we're going to keep peeling the layers of this onion, if you will, and um, think about, um, well, what are the services that we're missing or that uh, need to be improved? For example, maybe there aren't adequate mental health services. Maybe there aren't adequate um, sheltering facilities. Maybe there aren't adequate um, detox facilities. We don't know the answers to those questions right now. And that's what we're hoping uh, in this April of 2017 report um, will give us some guidance along those lines. And then we can um, work together with social service providers, law enforcement, um, the justice community, all those folks uh, that uh, work with these populations on a regular basis and say, okay, this is how we can start working together in a really um, unified way to address this issue, these issues. You know, and to follow up on that, um, this isn't new. We've, we've dealt with this for many years. Um, a couple years ago, we started um, the Downtown Resource Officer Program. And um, we've seen successes with that. You know, w when we first started that, what we looked at was the top 50 people who had the most contacts with law enforcement. And we had a meeting this morning about that. And, and um, one of the things that has become apparent is we're not dealing with the same people because a lot of those people have, we've gotten jobs, we've gotten housing, we've gotten treatment. Um, and so that was a big component of the Downtown Resource Officer Program was to bring the different service providers all in together in one room so that we could coordinate our efforts. Because, again, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of agencies doing a lot of things. They're kind of doing their own things. And so, you know, when we started this, it was like, let's try to get everybody together to talk about the same thing. And so um, we've had successes. Um, uh, you know, we've, we've been able to get people jobs keep them in job. I mean, it, it's gotten to the point where we even will take some of these people to work because they don't have transportation. And so um, there's been successes. This summer's just been particularly bad because we've just seen a real big increase in the number of people that are here. 812-855-0811 is the number to call if you have a question or comment for our guests. We're talking about homelessness and the mayor's announcement of a new process to figure out how we're going to sort of get our heads around it. Um, what can you attribute the increase to? Or I can't. And, you know, um, you, I, a lot of people are, are puzzled by why, why this is happening. Um, you know, you, you can look at things and, and you know, there, there are people that, that panhandle downtown that don't bother other people. So you're, you're, it's, you've probably heard the saying, you know, 10 percent of the people cause 90 percent of the problems. That's probably going to be what this is also, um, but we just we just kind of got to figure this out. Um, you know, it's it's uh, uh, I, the part of the plan is is 
don't give to panhandlers, give to social service agencies. Um, you know, I'm well aware that a lot of people who panhandle, the money that they get, they take and they use it for alcohol or drugs. So we're talking about a lot of addictions issues. We're talking about a lot of mental health issues. Um, you know, there's not enough mental health services to treat people. Um, so th- th- they're big issues. They're not, there's not anything that we're going to solve overnight, and it's, it's going to take a lot of people working on this to, to come up with a, a good plan. I'm curious if there are other communities that you're all looking to. I know we spoke with the mayor of Terre Haute earlier this week where they were having a problem with some issues at a local park, and they took some picnic tables out of the park and discovered that that helped with some of the problems, but not all of them. I don't know if there are other strategies you've noticed other communities adopting that may work here in Bloomington. Well, one of the things we did um, when we started the downtown resource officers, um, I looked at what other communities around the country had done with panhandling, homelessness, downtown issues, and things like that. And um, and that's kind of what, how we put that program together, was just looking at what other people did. And um, I'm sure we will, we will look at those also as we move forward with this. But um, we're not the only, peop- the only community that's experiencing this, so. Absolutely. And we're looking at best pra- practices across the country. And you're right, we aren't the first community to, to deal with this. We won't be the last, um, but we do want to be one of the best. And so that's why we're looking at, to see what's been successful, um, what's been compassionate, what's, you know, what's the right way to do this for Bloomington, because we're kind of unique and we want to stay that way. And we're going to approach this in a unique way. Which actually is, is a, a great uh, segue into the process. Um, there's this old uh, Indian uh, anecdote about the, and I, I'm reluctant to use it, Indian as in India, uh, the six blind men and the elephant, uh, and with apologies to other abled people for the metaphor. But the notion is everybody's got a different perspective and a different experience on this phenomenon in town. And I've been in town since 1989, and when I moved to Bloomington, it was a town, and now it's a city. There's been a change, we've grown. And so the notion of uh, having small stakeholder groups, we've got the first two stages of this process are these small stakeholder groups just of government, just of the justice system, just of the service providers, so that they can give us everything they know or have experienced and no two groups are going to experience this the same way or have the same information that they can bring to the table and then we'll bring them all representatives from all the groups together in a large dialogue and this process is uh, related to collaborative public management we have uh, experts, the the award-winning book on that was written by two of my colleagues at SPIA, our executive associate, Dean Mike McGuire, and Bob Agronoff. Uh, and so we already have that happening in town. We have the public, private, and nonprofit sectors collaborating. Uh, and this is just another process within which to do that. But once we've got their information, once we've synthesized comments, then there will be a deliberative process for the public because the ideas, the low-hanging fruit that the uh, stakeholder groups come up with, 
um, you know, this may not be the same thing that the general public sees. And we will have a stakeholder group of patrons, including students and people who go to the restaurants, and a stakeholder group of the, of the folks who were engaged uh, in the unwelcome behaviors or, or used to, you know, people who formerly panhandled but because of the efforts of the city are now employed and have a home. Um, so that we can get all these different perspectives. And I know, Lisa, earlier you said when you were describing sort of the focus of the project, you mentioned the area along the B line and then Kirkwood. Is this specific to just those areas? Or are we thinking more citywide in terms of over by the mall? And yeah, anecdotally, and Mike can speak to this, but I think anecdotally we're learning that it does seem to be spreading out across the community. And again, I think that's a pattern that other communities are seeing as well. Do you want to comment on that? No, I think that's true. I mean, it, it used to be, you know, I've been on the police department a long time, and I when, when I started I can remember um, really only seeing one person um, regularly that that I thought was homeless and you know now it's you it's a, there's a lot of people um, panhandling is not only an issue downtown it's an issue um, you know out on the west side at, at the intersections of, of uh, 37 and 3rd Street there's always panhandlers there uh, the east side sees a lot by the mall um, the north side has seen um, panhandling so it's it's spreading out all over the place and so um, you know, the, I, I think what we do downtown will have an effect other places, too, because I think we can use that information, um, you know, from the uh, from CJAM that, um, you know, and what what recommendations. I think that will apply citywide. So in your experience, how how does this work in terms of if you install cameras, how do you keep folks who are aggressively panhandling from just moving to another place where there aren't cameras? How well, you, you can. I mean, and, and some people will say that all we're doing is, is displacing people. And, and, um, and so I think that's, that's why we're doing more than just cameras and enforcement. Um, and so, you know, the, the cameras, the, there's, there's violence that's happening in the park. There are drug deals. And so those will help us monitor those situations and identify people that are, that are really causing a lot of the problems. Um, you know, there's there's nothing illegal about hanging out in a park all day long. There is something illegal though when you're going to be dealing drugs and you're you're starting fights and assaulting people, and so that that problem behavior is what we're going to um, address, and that's that's where the cameras will help us. Will they be monitored constantly, or is this the type of thing where you're going to go back if you get a report? It's, it depends. They'll feed into the police department, and so we have monitors. Um, we have other cameras that you know around the building that are monitored. Um, so they may be monitored, they may not be. There's going to be times where they're not, but there, there may be brief times where somebody is sitting there watching it. And, of course, um, if we're having complaints about drug deals in the park, then we'll, we will watch the cameras to see what's going on so we can identify people. Um, you know, our, our goal here is to make the area safe and make people feel safe in those areas. So um, the I, cameras will be a benefit. There are a lot of communities that use cameras. Cameras are prevalent throughout um, England. Um, and so, um, you know, those are those. Th- th- it's a tool to help us do our job. I'm, I'm curious what after, you know, your your officers show up at one of these places, I mean, what, what happens next, if you can kind of walk us through the process? Because obviously, I think all of us are in agreement this isn't something we're going to arrest our way out of, so. No, I frequently say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, it depends. Um, you know, our, our, uh, our officers are aware of uh, resources that are available in the community, and, and obviously, that's what we try to do first. Um, 
you know, it's it's uh, if if it's a violent act, if someone's you know beat up or assaulted or something like that, um, there's there's a really good chance that person's going to get arrested. Um, but if it's if it's um, you know, we we frequently get calls about people who are just screaming. Well, people have mental health issues, and so we try to get them in, into services that um, can can make a difference and help them. Um, you know, we 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 take every step we can not to arrest someone who has some kind of mental health issue. But then the problem we we have is sometimes those people assault people, so we have to deal with that. But that's when the the prosecutor and the courts get involved, and they can order people into treatment. Um, so, um, that, you know, the whole goal is is to try to change the behavior, um, and so that's that's what we're doing. That was the 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 goal when we when we created the downtown resource officers was to not arrest people, but to get them get them help. Um, and so, um, like I said earlier, we've had some successes with it. I think we'll have more successes. Um, you know, the the advantage of this right now is we're we're getting a larger section of the community involved in trying to solve the problem. We do have to take a quick break, but when we get back, we can talk a lot more about those resources, and we'll delve into the the plan a little bit more. Uh, reminding everybody, you are listening to Noon Edition on WFIU. When we get back, uh, we can take some callers to eight one two eight five five zero eight one one. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, online at smithville.com, and IU School of Public Health Bloomington, online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at wfiunews.org. And you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each weekday afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Sarah Whitmire. Today we're talking to local experts about homelessness and panhandling in Bloomington in light of a new initiative the mayor announced this week. We invite you to join the conversation. You can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition or call into the program 812-855-0811. Our guest today, Mike Decoff, he is the police chief in Bloomington. Mary Catherine Carmichael, she's the communications director for the mayor's office. And Lisa Amsler, who's the founding board member of the Community Justice and Mediation Center of Bloomington and Monroe County. All right, Dave has been waiting on the line here for just a minute, so we better go straight to Dave on the phone. Go ahead, Dave. Uh, my question concerns uh, some of the van handling that I see on a regular basis on the east side over by Clarice Boulevard and McDonald's, and over on the west side uh, near the Lowe's um, um, lumber company. And the shift work that goes on between the van handlers tells me that they're doing well. And every one of those guys has a sign made out of a piece of cardboard that says that they're homeless. But they're wearing $200 tennis shoes and driving Chrysler 300s and F-250s. 
Um, and I'm pretty sure they're probably not paying taxes on the money that they're bringing in. So how do we make our community aware of that type of a problem that is associated with panhandling? Well, you know, that is a great point, Dave, and thanks for bringing it up. It's something that um, we've noticed as well. I I can easily picture the folks you're describing because I've seen them myself many times. Um, I haven't haven't seen their vehicles, but I'll take your word for that. But uh, we we know that 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 is going on. We suspect that it is a a rather organized um, situation. Mike can can speak to that. Sure. Um, Yeah, you're right. Uh, Yeah. my experience has been that um, some of the panhandlers make uh, really good money. Um, you know, we've I've said it a couple of times already. Bloomington is a very generous community. Um, people feel guilty. Um, I was over the weekend. I was I was downtown eating dinner and um, outside, and and there's a particular gentleman that is a notorious panhandler who is not homeless, has family that wants to take care of him. Um, Yet he stands there talking about he's a homeless vet um, and that he needs money. And, and um, so he has he has support. He has things, but he makes good money. Um, and my experience has been that um, a lot of panhandlers use the money to buy alcohol and drugs because they can get other services, but there's not any services that's going to hand out booze and drugs. Yeah. So um, it, it's that's part of what we're going to also do from the city is is try to do some education around panhandling um, we're going to be putting up some signs um, downtown that talk about um, don't give to panhandlers and there's a website address that will take you to a page on the city's website that lists um, social service agencies that you can donate to um, there have been suggestions about maybe converting a parking meter or two downtown for donations for panhandling um, so we're looking at different options, but um, that's also a project that Downtown Bloomington, Inc. is getting involved in to try to educate downtown businesses and, and put posters up in businesses to educate their, their um, customers about don't give to panhandlers because it's just it's just feeding the problem. Right. To make that easier, we've um, gone ahead on, on our Bloomington website, uh, which is bloomington.in.gov, um, and established a, a, a place where you can go, bloomington.in.gov slash give. Uh, and there's a, a good list of local agencies that help, that provide direct services to people who are, in fact, um, experiencing homelessness. But I, I do think it's, again, fair to mention that not everybody who panhandles is, in fact, experiencing homelessness. Chief, I know that earlier this week, um, the mayor also mentioned that part of this initiative is just making sure that we're enforcing state law when it comes to panhandling. Can you explain the difference between legal panhandling and when it when it crosses the line? The the state defines um, uh, the the illegal part of panhandling is the aggressiveness, and so they've they've actually um, talked about um, they, they've kind of outlawed certain areas like around ATMs, um, banks, outdoor dining areas and things like that. Um, it's it's not illegal to panhandle, but it's illegal to be aggressive aggressively panhandling and in certain in certain spots. So um, so that's that's what we will be focusing on is the aggressiveness. Um, you know, it's it's not uncommon that I have someone tell me, you know, I, I walked from from I use campus to to a restaurant on Kirkwood and got asked three times for for money, 
Um, so, but again, the reason people are doing that is because they're getting money. So if if community members say, okay, enough's enough, we'll we'll give to agencies instead of to individuals. I'm, we're hoping that that will stop this behavior. You know, the rule of thumb I kind of think of or keep in my mind is if it makes if the panhandling that is going on makes you uncomfortable, it's probably one of the things that's listed as illegal. Um, it, but it's perfectly legal. It's free speech to stand with a sign requesting donations. That's okay. Um, but if it crosses that line, if it makes you feel uncomfortable or threatened, chances are that that is certainly in violation of state code and um, not okay. Is this something the social service agencies were absolutely in support of when when you went to them about this new idea? Don't Don't necessarily hand out money, but... I, you know, I, I don't know. I think I think a lot of them agree that it, it's a problem, and it just it just kind of feeds the addictions. Um, you know, there are some people though that don't have a problem with it, and so um, you know they're not in favor of the aggressiveness of it, but they don't have a problem with someone that that holds a sign and asks for for donations and stuff. Um, so I mean, but we have, that's what we have to keep in mind is we're we're trying to address the aggressiveness of it all because. People aren't – they don't feel comfortable when someone come, comes up and asks for money and, and follows them down the street and continues to ask them. So that's that's what we're wanting to address. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I spoke with Barry Lessell, who's uh, the head of the United Way of Monroe County, and he's certainly in, in agreement that, you know, really it's it's more effective to give to organizations who support supportive uh, efforts as opposed to giving directly on the street. We have a couple callers right here. 812-855-0811 is the number to call with your questions as well. Let's go to Stan from Bloomington. He has a question about social workers. Go ahead, Stan. Hi. Uh, I'm wondering, is there a plan or some thought about having uh, someone not in uniform who has facing uh, uh, social social skills to accompany an officer and, and perhaps uh, directly affect? Uh, the person uh, in question. Yeah, we already do that already um, through our downtown research or downtown resource officers program. We have partnered with Shalom Center, and they have a couple of street social workers that accompany our officers on patrols um, to to help people and, and get them services. Um, one of the advantages of that is, and, and actually, the, the the city actually pays a portion of that. Um, but we've also provided um, a, a, a laptop t- so that we can get people registered for um, health insurance, the city's health or the state's health insurance program, which also leverages a lot of resources for people with addictions issues and mental health issues. So, um, so yes, we we've been doing that for a couple of years. Um, it, it actually got expanded. I think it was last year we started with one. We've got two that that go with our people to. to do those types of services. And Stan, that's great. that's a great question. And I think it is also one of those things that uh, as the process goes forward, it may be a suggestion that comes forth that just, gosh, that's really working well. We need to have another person or two doing that sort of thing. And so we're open to learning that. Sounds great. Thank you. Yeah, these, uh, Lisa here, these processes uh, are to generate as many ideas as we can. And there are Uh, other states that are engaged in similar processes. I mean, what we're doing is we're effectively mapping. Callers have suggested there are specific locations in town. So one of the objectives of the small group dialogues is to identify 
uh, on uh, sort of map the whole community in terms of uh, places and dynamics. And the dynamics will involve different people, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there there are some people who go to Lowe's regularly, uh, and and they'll have one experience. There are other people. The students will uh, who are on Kirkwood will have a different experience. Um, and and the folks who are panhandling will have different experiences depending on um, where they're lo- where they consider their location to be. So this has been done. This is being done statewide uh, in Hawaii. It's been done in a couple of cities in Michigan. So this is uh, not the first time or the only time that a process like this is being used to address exactly this kind of set of issues. Are there any cities we can point to that make panhandling illegal? No, not necessarily. Well, it's no. a freedom of speech issue, yeah, so, so you have to allow it. Right. right. It's, it was interesting to me, the sun up to sun down, is, is that pretty standard? That is, and that's, that's kind of a safety, safety sure. thing mm-hmm. that they've incorporated mm-hmm. into the law. We have a call from Arvidus uh, from Bloomington. He has a question about state laws. Go ahead. Uh, yes, um, I'm wondering if uh, panhandling, uh, or not panhandling, I'm sorry, contributing to panhandlers, uh, giving them money, is illegal in the state, or if this was just a uh, local ordinance in an area. Uh, I was up in the Castleton area a short while back, and one of the uh, smaller shopping centers nearby had a sign uh, said, don't, con- don't give to panhandlers, it's illegal, uh, it's against the law. Uh, and I know the chief was talking about putting up signage like that. I'm, I'm wondering mm-hmm. if uh, signage like that would be helpful in Bloomington as well. Well, it's not illegal to give money to panhandlers. Um, the, the law is very specific um, to address aggressive panhandling. And our signs are not going to say, don't give money. It's, it, it's going to say, um, give to agencies that can help. Um, don't give to the individual. Um, it's, it's not again. It's not illegal to panhandle. It's illegal to aggressively panhandle. Okay, thank you. I know that w- one of the things you're you're hoping to look at is um, some of these bigger issues with social services and addressing addressing the underlying issues. But I don't know if you can tell me at this point. Do we have the infrastructure here in Bloomington and, and the amount of social services available to? address these large populations with people being dropped off here? Um, I can tell you that um, we've been meeting for about two years with a variety of different social service agencies, and um, we I think we've made significant strides in trying to address some of the needs. Um, you know, we're, we're having discussions with some of the service providers about having um, kind of a mobile mental health unit that will go at, at the street level and go and try to, to provide services to people. Um, you know, we have, through with Shalom Center and the, the street um, social worker, the ability to register people for the state's health insurance plan, which, again, like I said earlier, that leverages services for those people. Um, so we're, we're doing some of those things. I don't know. I, I, we can't stop people from dropping people off here. Um, it happens. It happens all the time. We're aware of it, um, but again, we we can't necessarily stop it. Um, you know, we we are the biggest city um, around, um, so we tend to we're a regional draw for people. So, um, 
You know, but also word word has gotten out that we have a lot of services and, and there's a lot of generosity in the community. And so people come here. And so, um, you know, I I don't I don't think there's a, a way and, and we I don't think we want to even do that where we say, well, you don't live here, so we're not giving you services. So <laughs> so you don't you don't want to do that. And and um, but I think if if again, it's it's the problem behavior. It's the aggressiveness. It's the violence. That's what we're hoping to address because I think the community itself, again, it's not illegal to panhandle. It's not illegal to sit in a park. But people are tired of the the illegal behavior. 812-855-0811. Today we're talking about homelessness and panhandling in Bloomington. We've been talking a lot about aggressive panhandling, but I'm wondering just about homelessness in, in general. Where does that fit into this process and this plan? Um, we were talking a little bit about the start of the school year before the show started, and I I know it was in the packet I got from my child asking questions about, is your family homeless? Here's how that's defined. It just seems like it's such a problem in this area. Yeah, I think it's, it's uh, important to understand it is nationally. It's a huge and growing problem. And... This the, the short-term process that CGM is facilitating uh, for Bloomington is is we're not going to be able to solve homelessness in three months. Uh, this short-term process uh, is we have a steering committee that includes Ed Greenbaum, also a founding member of CGM, Virginia Hall, who has been an outreach social worker with Shalom Center. It includes uh, Rafi Hassan, who's the director of the Safe and Civil Cities program in the city, Lisa Marie Napoli, who is a, uh, works with the Kettering Foundation, is associate director of the political and civic engagement program in town, uh, in, at the university, excuse me, and then Jim Shelton, who's government relations manager for the Chamber of Commerce. We've got a representative steering committee um, that is helping us uh, put together these uh, the small group focus group dialogues and identify folks who might be able to contribute really useful uh, ideas. But the focus will be on what can ultimately, including the public engagement part of the process, uh, the, the focus will be on actions, um, ideas, levers for change that we can all identify and that uh, then the task force can consider. And the task force is the fourth. I mean, the mayor's already established three other task forces. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the task forces, I believe, has completed yes, its work correct. on public finance. That's correct. And then the task force on innovation has within its agenda public engagement. There'll be an announcement about that on Monday. Yeah. So this is, you know, this is part of the continuing effort to bring innovative ideas and approaches to all of all of the many issues that we deal with in the community, mm -hmm. but f this time focusing on this one. I, I really like what the mayor had to say about this in, in his comments earlier this week. He said, we will work together to determine what we can do to assure that no children grow, grow up homeless in our city, to identify gaps in services to those suffering mental illness or addiction or deep poverty, and do our best to fill those gaps. I know we can't pretend that our community can solve every major ill, but we can take steps to improve that situation. And 
And just it might be interesting to, to hear, too, that um, every year there's a count. They pick a day and they do a count of the number of people that they can find and locate who are living on the street. And um, I believe it was this past January, the count for Monroe County was 340 individuals. Um, statewide, that number is 5,800. So that gives you a little bit of an idea of the scope of the problem. But that's, again, now that's a January number, which is interesting because I think um, Mike would say that, uh, and, and people anecdotally, again, would, would say our numbers swell in the summertime. So um, that's a January number. Yeah, and that's um, we kind of talked about that this morning at the uh, the meeting we had um, that the numbers do swell in the summer, and I don't I'm not sure why I would I would I don't know, um, but it was also you know you you talked about homelessness we have Crawford House and um, there was discussions this morning about you know there's a the Crawford House too that they secured the final piece of funding to start building that so um, you know those types of projects help a lot. Um, to, to kind of lessen the number of people who are out there. So um, it, it's part of the bigger picture, and it's, it's, the, the discussions are really important because it, it, it raises awareness about it. I'm curious what role, if any, Indiana University is going to play in this process, because especially of its proximity to the downtown with a lot of students in the area near People's Park where some of these, these issues are taking place. Indiana University uh, Police Department has um, agreed to partner with us on some of the patrols that we have um, on Kirkwood. Um, you know, the s students are very generous also, so we're, we're hoping that um, in some of the, uh, the welcome packages that we can get the panhandling message out to students. Um, because, and a lot of students live downtown, so it's, it's, uh, that's, that's a message we need to, to make sure that they understand also so that they're part of the... Um, solution and not part of the problem. Yes, and and I'm uh, a the Keller Rundin Professor of Public Service at the School of Public and Environmental Affairs, and one of the great things about SPIA is our mission includes public service. I mean, that's um, one of the distinguishing features of the school, and so uh, we we will be supporting the effort. I'm participating as a volunteer for CJAM. But we will also be incorporating into the small focus groups representatives from different uh, elements of the university. For example, the IUPD, we would like to have them participate in some way in the local government uh, focus group because they share a mission with the local PD. So uh, there will be, there are also folks in various units on campus, for example, the Dean of Students Office. Um, there are leaders in the student body in various uh, student associations, and we'd like to get um, their voices heard as part of this process. So there will be an effort to include various parts of the university. They've been terrifically helpful and cooperative in my experience with them. Um, Tracy James, Ryan Purick, um, both people who do a lot of communicating from, for Indiana University have said, yes, absolutely. Um, we want to be a part of this. Uh, Kirk White has been really helpful. Also, we want to get the message out to our students and their parents and say, hey, you know, we need to work together if this is going to be a safe uh, place for everybody to be. So they, I can't say enough good things about their efforts so far. Why don't we necessarily see panhandlers on the university campus? 
I think you would have to ask IU that. I don't. I don't have the answer for that. We were just wondering about that in our newsroom. It seems like there's almost an invisible, mm-hmm. invisible line there mm-hmm. that they don't that cross the crossed. street. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. I, Only a couple minutes left. 812-855-0811 if you have a last-minute burning question you want to get in. I am curious. You know, we're going to have a lot of folks coming back um, this next week. What? And these are more long-term solutions, a couple short-term. But what should folks be doing um, before we start to see some of these long-term issues ad- addressed when it comes to um, not just giving to the panhandlers, but their their own safety? I know, Chief, you were talking about on the B-line and, and walking downtown, just being sure that yeah. you take extra precautions. Well, we have on our website, we have safety tips. The university passes out safety tips. Um, you know, there's we have a whole week of welcome activities um, that there are a lot of safety messages that are, are uh, presented during that week. Um, you know, it's a lot of us use common sense. If, if, if you're if it doesn't feel safe, then don't don't stay. Don't be in that area. Um, uh, and if you see something, report it. You know, I, I, so many times I have somebody say, well, you know, it just didn't look right, but I didn't want to bother you. And it's like, bother us. That's what we're here for. Um, and so um, if, if uh, you know, it, it, there's a lot of information that is presented to students about safety. And, and um, you know, unfortunately for a lot of them, it's the first time away from home. And, and you know, it's like, hey, freedom. And so um, they, they sometimes tend to go a little crazy. Um, but, um, you know, hopefully just common sense is, is really a good guiding principle. If, if it doesn't look right or feel right, then it's probably not right. And, and don't don't be in that area. Only about a, a minute and a half left, Mary Catherine. I'm wondering if you can just walk us through sort of the timeline and what to expect in the next few weeks and how people can get involved if they really want to participate in this conversation. Well, okay, I don't know if I can do that in a minute and a half. That's a big challenge, Sarah. But um, I will say that um, Chief Decoff's folks are already uh, in our IT uh, folks are already uh, looking at cameras and um, planning the installation of those, so that's kind of an immediate thing. Um, already working on the um, communications, the the campaign to let folks know, please give to organizations, don't give on the street. Uh, those are things we're doing just right off the bat, and then I'll it, hand it off to Lisa. Yeah, uh, CJM is hoping to complete the small focus group dialogues with, by the end of September. We're hoping to complete the large group dialogue, which is representatives of all the small groups, by the end of, of October. And we're hoping to have the public engagement process before Thanksgiving, because once Thanksgiving hits, it'll be hard to get people there. If anyone is interested in volunteering for CJAM, um, our website is cjamcenter.org www.cjamcenter.org. The phone number is 812-336-8677. CJAM is having mediation training this fall, and we welcome folks who want to get involved with helping uh, people have conversations and manage conflict. Okay, great. Unfortunately, we are out of time, but thank you all so much for joining us. Mike Decoff, Mary Catherine Carmichael, Lisa Amsler, thank you very much for being here today. Barbara Brozier, it was a pleasure to have you as a co-host today. For our producer, Drew Dodlin, and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Sarah Whitmire. This is Noon Edition. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times, 
A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from School of Public Health Bloomington. Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. Publichealth.indiana.edu. And Smithville Fiber, the Gigacity Company. Fiber Internet, HD, and digital IPTV in Southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com.